quarter of seven. The time is now. My title is Finding Strength in Your Inadequacy. Finding Strength in Your Inadequacy. Before we jump into Moses, um, I want to share some background stuff with you. I'm not sure. Some of you may know Moses inside and out, front to back. Some of you may not know much about Moses. So let me just catch us up a little bit so we're all on the same page for this conversation that we're about to listen in on. Um, So FYI, at the end of the book of Genesis, um, the, the people of God, the Jewish people the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are in Egypt. Because you remember Joseph was next to Pharaoh, and he had um, been responsible for feeding people during famine, and so his family was brought to Egypt, and that's where the Jewish people were. And when we pick up in the beginning of Exodus, the Jewish people have been in Egypt for 400 years. And they have been enslaved because Pharaoh was worried about them um, actually rising up and taking over Egypt. And so they've been enslaved for 400 years, and Moses comes on the scene. And long story short, um, Moses moves from his family into the palace where Pharaoh's daughter takes care of him and raises him. Um, Moses' mother is employed by her to help with that process, and his sister is around. Um, During a course of events, Moses actually kills one of the Egyptians, okay? And as a result, he must flee Egypt. And so he takes off and he finds a wife, and with a wife comes a father-in-law, and the father-in-law becomes his boss, and so he is taking care of flocks for his father-in-law. So that's really condensed up front. That's kind of where we are. And Moses is out taking care of his father-in-law's flocks, and he comes upon a bush which is burning but is not consumed. Have you all ever seen anything like this before? No, me neither. Okay? It's, but it's one-time thing. I don't think it happens. But, so he's watching this bush which is burning and is not being consumed, and he thinks, I've got to go see this. And so he climbs up the mountain, and in the burning bush, he enters the presence of the living God. And there's this conversation here that takes place. And so if you'll jump in with me here in Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 7. You all need to know this, okay? I have condensed the scripture for this evening so that it fits on your page and kind of where we're going, okay? So there are some things where there are dots. I've left some things out. Go back and read the whole story. Okay, do it tonight in your devotional time or, or next week or something. Read the whole story. It's really good. But you need to know I skip a little bit in here. Okay? All right, so here's the conversation in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. The God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is speaking to Moses. And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. All right, now for just a minute, I want you to put yourself in Moses' shoes. This is Moses' people. This is Moses' God. 
and they've been enslaved for 400 years, and um, the Egyptians have not been nice to them in their enslavement. And God says, I'm about to bring them out. If you are Moses, how do you feel about what God has just said? Yes. Disbelief. Why? It's incredible. Well, by the way, you're standing in front of a bush which is burning and not being consumed. And yet, even in that, we might have disbelief. Why? Because for Moses' entire life, all he has known is the people are enslaved. And for the 360 years before that, all they've known is being enslaved. Like, I can't even comprehend this. We Maybe disbelief. How would you feel? You're Moses. Yes. All. And then why would you say all? You, who you are, me, who I am, and you've decided to ask me to be a part of this. What an honor. What a privilege. We haven't really gotten to that part yet. But yes, but yes. This all, for sure. How would you feel? Yes, thank you. The one right in front of me that I didn't scared. see. Okay, why would you be scared? Several reasons. There's a bush. It's on fire. Yes. <laughs> it's okay to be a little freaked out, I think. Yes. And yet still be drawn to it in a weird way, kind of like a fly to that light. He's not so... Anyway, go ahead. God's talking to you. God is... Okay. He's asking you to do a thing that you've never done before. Okay, well, we're not quite there yet, but yes... I think Moses, I, I don't know, he could be any of these things, right? But I think when he hears, I'm leading your people out, I think Moses is feeling what we feel when our favorite sports team achieves whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. Like, well, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's already out there. It is what it is. So I'm an Eagles fan, right? And I know, I know. I didn't intend to go this way. I, I don't know. And the Eagles hadn't won a Super Bowl in forever. And we're kind of thinking like, this is never going to happen. We had people who were alive 80 years and they never got to see their team win a Super Bowl. And finally, like when they won the Super Bowl, you had like grandfathers and fathers hugging and just crying, like big men crying over the, we won the Super Bowl, right? And I think that's what Moses is like. It's been 400 years and these people have treated us terribly. And now God is going to show up. And he's going to do something big. And he's going to lead them out. Let's go! I think he's really excited. And then this next line comes up. And this is kind of where the, the ladies are leading us. Is that verse 10? Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh... You must lead my people out of Egypt. Now how do you think Moses feels? Yes. Yes. Can you imagine? Yes, God, you're going to do this thing. Great. I love it. I'm going to Pharaoh. Out. Time out. Hold on. This is your plan. Let's reconsider. Overwhelmed. How would you feel? Scared? Yes. Yes. 
confused, and we're, that's where we're headed, right? Confusion is definitely something he's feeling. Yes. Doubtful. Doubtful. Nervous. Can I tell you how I would feel? I would be paralyzed with anxiety. That's, I, I, I would go from, God, this is crazy good, to God, what are you thinking? This is, this is impossible. This is nuts. I can't do this. And so um, we're going to look at the rest of the conversation, and then I'm going to give you five quick things tonight um, to take away from this, okay? Can we do that? The rest of the conversation... Picking up in verse 11, look at the questions Moses asks God. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. But Moses protested again. Are you seeing a pattern here? What if they won't believe me or listen to me? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and turned it into a snake. It turned into a snake. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. And then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? And who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you to and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. All right, it's halftime. I want you to stand up. Stand up. I know you're tired. It's the middle of camp. I know you've just eaten dinner. I know you're starting to fade. So we need to do some old people exercises. Okay? We got to get the blood flowing. So we're, we got to stretch before we exercise. Nobody wants to pull a muscle. So I want you to reach up as high as you can. Yep. Put your hands together. Lock those things. Yep. Okay. Good. Now bend it over and hang it down. And stretch those hamstrings. Yep, that's good. Okay. All right, bring it back up. Okay, we're going to start with some old people push-ups. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Count them off. Let's go. Seven, eight, nine. All right, good. All right, we've got to do some old people jumping jacks. Count them off. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine. All right, are we good? All right, everybody face this way. Put your arms out. Put them on the shoulders of the person in front of you and just give them a little rub, okay? All right. All right, all right, all right. Now, some people are feeling left out, so let's turn it around. 
turn it around and face this way. Get those shoulders, give them a little rub. Okay, are we awake? Are we awake? All right, let's go. Lock in. We got 15 minutes. We got 15 minutes, all right? Here we go. I want you to see, I want you to see five things here in this conversation between the God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? Yes, I tried to put those two guys together, okay? And Moses. The first thing I want you to see is this. You will be controlled by the object of your focus. You will be controlled by the object of your focus. What is God's focus in this conversation with Moses? Yes, Okay, and all of those good things. That's an, that's an excellent answer. You are right, okay? Why? Why is he going to be with him, and why is he going to help him? What is the object of his focus? His people. And him, and Moses. Well, Moses as part of the people, yeah. right? And so he's giving Moses a job because, because God's heart is moved by his people, I have seen what their taskmasters are doing. I have heard their cries. And now, uh, the object of my focus is moving me from heaven. I am coming down, and I'm about to do something. The object of God's focus is controlling him. Don't go too deep with me on the theology here, okay? That's, I'm, not, I'm just saying, it's leading him in a direction. We know God is not controlled by anything, okay? But he is allowing, as his heart is moved, to take an action because of his people. Does that make sense to you all? What is, um, the, what is Moses' focus? Yes. Yeah, find any reason why. So who is his focus on? His himself. This is totally, I'm not comfortable here. Right? I have a perfectly good job working for my father-in-law tending flocks. Why in the world would I leave that to go stand in front of Pharaoh in a place where I'm a criminal and can be sentenced to death? Why would I leave the comfort of this to go to that? This is craziness. I'm worried about my comfort. Right? I'm worried about my life. Um, how many of you have been biking on the Hoodlebug Trail? Yeah. Okay, good. So um, how many of you have gotten past levity, down the big hill, around the divine destiny, uh, bend in the, in the tra trail there, and then just up ahead, there's a big gate that's always closed, and you've got these two little things on the side where you can get... Have you all ridden your bike through there? What do you do... What do you do when you get to, you're on this wide trail and going fast, you've just come down a hill around the bend, here we go. What do you do when you get to that little pass-through on your bike? Find a new path, stop real hard, slow down, I've heard all of that, okay? Um, I'll tell you what I have learned not to do and what I have learned to do, okay? Here's what I don't do. I don't focus on the two posts on either side. I find a spot right in the middle, 
and I focus on that spot and putting my tire on that spot. Because if my focus is on the middle and I put the tire on the middle, nothing else matters, I'm going to be okay. But the second I look at that post, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to hit the post, the object of my focus. Does that make sense? You've, you've done it. You've been somewhere and you've said, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. And what'd you do? You screw it up. I was at your church not too long ago. I've got this Greek word, right? And I'm like, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Do you think I said the Greek word right? No, I didn't. I screwed it. Now, thankfully, you all don't know because... <laughs> but, but I like to play golf. Um, and I'm not very good, but I still like to play. And when I get out on the golf course, what the, um, what the instructors will tell you is when you are addressing the golf ball, you keep your focus not just on the golf ball, but you find a single dimple on the back bottom of that golf ball, and you put all of your focus on that. And if your focus is on that dimple for as long as it should be, you're going to be okay. But you know what happens to me? There's water over here. Or somebody in a golf cart decided, ah, we're good, we'll just get a little bit ahead of them. And I'm over that golf ball and I'm saying, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, don't screw it. And you know what I do? I've hit people in golf carts before, you know? And I put, hit balls in the water all the time. Just don't go in the water, anywhere with the water. I guarantee you that's where it's going. The object of your focus will control you. And Moses is being controlled by his view of himself and his comfort. And what he's got to do is get his view off of himself and onto the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Am I going to let me control me? Am I going to let my feelings control me? Or am I going to let the God of the universe control me? And there's got to be a shift in focus. Does that make sense? Number two. Was there a question? Okay, number two. It's okay to wrestle with God until it's not okay to wrestle with God. Did you all see that? God is, a, I think he's really patient with Moses here. I'll answer your questions kind of one at a time. Here we go. Yes, okay, um, I know you don't speak well. I've got a plan for that. I'm going to bring your brother in. Um, you know, he's got all of these, these issues that he raises. What if they don't believe me, God? I don't even know who you are. Who should I? And he raises, and one by one, God answers them. Until God finally decides, look, I have answered all your questions. And so um, in verse 12, chapter 4, verse 12, he says, now go. Now go. Does this happen in your house? When your parents ask you to do something? Would you please go wash the dishes? Well, you know, I'm really not the best dishwasher in the house. Well, why don't you ask so-and-so to do that? You, trust me, you want clean dishes. You don't want me doing this one. Did you feed the dog? Well, you know, I fed the dog last time. I think it's so-and-so's turn to feed the dog. Wouldn't you rather? I mean, we've got to teach them responsibility too, right? So, huh? Are, you, are your parents as patient with you as God is with Moses? No, probably not. Eventually they say what? Wash the dishes. Feed the dog. Cut the grass. Make your bed. Let's go. We know it's summertime, but you're not off of all this stuff, right? Okay? And so God is patient with us until he's not patient with us 
And it's, it's okay, I think, to initially ask God, God, I just want to make sure I heard you clearly because this doesn't make any sense to me. But if you're sure about it, then I'm all in. But I, I just need to be sure that I've heard you correctly and I'm, I'm pursuing what it is that you want here, right? The object of our focus has to be right. And it's okay to ask some questions until God makes it clear. And once he makes it clear, friends, we've got to go. We've got to go. Number three, an infallible God only makes infallible plans. Do you all know why God called Moses after the Jewish people had been in Egypt for 400 years? I'll tell you why. Because in Genesis chapter 15, he told Abraham he would. If you go back to Genesis chapter 15, he tells Abraham, your people will dwell in Egypt for 400 years. And after that time, I'm going to bring them out and I'm going to bring them to this land over here. It was planned all along. And God's plan cannot be wrecked. When we say God's plan is immutable, when we say God is sovereign, I know you all know what that means, right? It means that no matter what someone does to you, they cannot wreck God's plan for your life. And so if God says, hey, I want you to do this crazy thing, here's what I want you to know. When you step out and do it, it will happen exactly the way he said it will happen to accomplish the purpose which he has in mind. An infallible God only makes infallible plans. Even when we screw things up, he still works it out. Listen, we all know, I think we know, Moses goes from here and he leads the people out into a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey, although he doesn't get there, but he does lead the people to there. Joshua leads them in, right? Was Moses perfect? Moses messed up along the way, didn't he? And guess what? The people still got where they were going because that's what God said he would do, right? Okay, we're we're coming down the home stretch. Number four, I want to ask a question. Who or what is God's plan for you? Is is God's plan for you to lead people out of slavery? Not this kind, right? What is his plan for you? You don't know. On the one hand, that's okay. Like, uh, duh, Wiggs, we're only like, you know, 7th through 12th graders here. We don't know what God's plan is for our life yet. We're figuring it out. On the one hand, that's right. I get it, right? On the other hand, if you are disciples, he has already told you what his plan is for your life in Matthew chapter 28. And his plan for you is to go and make disciples. If you are a disciple, it doesn't matter how old you are, you don't need a burning bush. You don't need God to write some special letter and stick it in the mail to you. Well, he already did. I mean, this is what this is. It's a letter that he gave to you. And he says really clearly, look, here's my plan for you. I want you to go and make 
disciples. You all feel adequate in doing that? If God said to you, I want you to go make disciples of your siblings, of your friends, what would your response to him be? <laughs> I love it, but yes, the answer is yes, I will go. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. Anybody have any questions about this? Like, anybody say, like, God, I'm not really sure what a disciple is. Uh, uh, God, where do I start? God, is there some material that goes along with this? Um, God, which person do I start with, right? Like, but he has called all of us to go and make disciples. Here's why. Because he is still leading people out of slavery. It's just a different kind. Because he is leading people out of hell and into heaven. And can you believe that he's calling you even at your age to do that? Do you all know that 94% of Christians become Christians before the age of 18? That's not good prospect for me in my work. I work with college students, okay? But what do you think that means about your peers and your ability to influence them? Your generation deals with more anxiety and more depression than any generation in the history of the world. Your generation has crazy hurt and pain. And God wants to bring peace and joy to your friends. Are you open to the possibility that he wants to use you to do it? There was an invitation thrown out about 30 minutes ago. You're going to have a fireside chat tonight. And somebody is going to get to share their story. And that invitation went out, and one of you said, man, I'd love to do that, but I would hate to do that. Man, I think I should do that, but there's no way I'm doing that. And I don't know which one of you that was, but I'm telling you, you need to do it. Because God is going to use your story to bring someone closer to heaven. God is going to use your story to bring joy and peace because we are the objects of his affection and his attention is on us and he is still loving us from where we are to closer to him. And each one of us can play a part in that. Do you all hear me on this? And so um, God is going to move in your heart and you'll be in school, or you'll be on your sports team, or you'll be where you are, and God is going to say, go over and talk to that person. Go over and share your faith with that person. And you're going to say, but God, I'm only this age. But God, I don't have the words to do that. But God, I don't. And God is going to say, I'm the God of the universe. Do what I say. Because I want to lead that person out of death and into life. And I want to use you to do it. You have a mission. Number five, the time is now. The time is now. Why is the time now? What have you guys heard so far? Why wait? That's a good one. 
you're a procrastinator, you could find a thousand reasons, but I, but I like the, I, but hey, I start now or start later, why not start now? Why is the time now? Yes. What if Jesus comes back tomorrow? Um, I, have a, uh, I had an, an old friend of mine, a dear friend, when he was in college, um, he was sharing, um, he was standing up in front of a group, you know, teaching, whatever, and a girl that he hadn't seen at the meetings before came up and said, hey, I, I want to know more about this Jesus. Tell me more about him. And he said, well, you know, let's make an appointment for next week sometime. And two days later, the girl died. Now, I'm not trying to scare you into anything. I'm just telling you what the story is, right? And we don't, we don't always know what the plan is, right? And, but, but what that means is we don't know how much time any one of us has. And, and this guy, my friend, um, 78 years old, he passed away a couple years ago. To his 78 years old, he regretted that day not saying to that girl, let's sit down right now, I want to tell you about him. Let me tell you how you can know my Jesus. Why is the time now? Yes. Only God knows the future. Yes. Because God said the time is now. Because it's in his plan. At 400 years, he said now is the time. Does that make sense? And so... Um, Listen, I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you because, um, because your generation is running as far from Jesus as they can, as fast as they can. And what they're discovering is there is emptiness. And what I want to tell you is the harvest is ripe. That you have in Jesus what people are looking for. And... Um, and I want to encourage you and say, look, remember, Moses didn't do it alone. He had Joshua. He had Aaron. He, his father-in-law came by his side and helped for him a little bit. And, um, and you have people around here who want to help you. That person who needs to share their story tonight, and now I've told you, like, you've got to share your story, and now you're you know, freaking out about it, go find one of these people and say, I'm the person Wig said needs to share their story. Can you please help me in the next 45 minutes figure out how I'm supposed to share my story in three minutes? Can, can you help me do this? There's people around here to help you. There's people here who love you and want to see you find the fulfillment that comes from living out what God has for you. I want to encourage you tonight. Be controlled by God. Get your focus on Him and let him control you. It's okay to wrestle with him until it's not okay, until he's made it clear. Then just go do it. An infallible God only makes infallible plans. If he has called you to it, he will make it happen. Listen, I'll share one more quick story, and then I'll wrap this thing up. Um, the missionary um, that was talked about, the missionary who came and like showed their pictures of, what was it, naked kids in the river? right? And then asked for money. I'm that missionary. Like, not, I'm not that exact missionary, but that's, that's what Liz and I do. We have to raise $120,000 a year for our ministry to work. That means we have to go out and ask people and churches. Guys, that's craziness. What if I told you you could have any job in the world you wanted, you just had to ask people to pay you for it? 
Like, that's craziness. And when I was in seminary, um, I was in seminary with guys, and they're like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to a church who will pay me to do college ministry. And you know what happened to all those guys? In the last 10 years, the churches have eliminated their positions. They don't all have jobs anymore. But God showed me the plan that he had for me, and he said, this is what we're going to do. And for as long as he has me at IUP, people will keep giving. And when he decides it's time for us to move on somewhere else, people will stop giving. And that'll be okay because it'll move us to something better. Listen, an infallible God only makes infallible plans. What or who is his plan for you? I want you to think about this. I want you to ask God, who do you want me to share with? Who do you want me to love well? Who do you want me to include in my friend group? Who do you want me to lead out of whatever Satan has them in and lead them closer to you? And friends, the time has got to be now. Why wait? Why wait if God is called? God, I'm so grateful for each one of these students here. I'm grateful for the plan that you have for their lives. God, I am so grateful that we are the objects of your affection and that you let us move your heart, that what you want for us is to experience joy and peace and love and all that comes with this um, idea of land flowing with milk and honey. God, that's what you want for us. And God, I'm grateful that you that you give us the honor and privilege of co-laboring with you in bringing people from hell to heaven. God, forgive us for chickening out sometimes. God, give us the courage and give us the help we need to serve you well and to love others well in this. God, bless each one of these students in every way as they pursue you and follow your plan. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love you. Enjoy the rest of camp.